Welcome to 1991 Movie Rewind, a podcast where we watch and review every movie released in 1991, from the all-time greatest classics to the critically panned and everything in between. We will rediscover forgotten fan favorites and uncover hidden gems as we explore the depths of directed video. Join us in our celebration of the fun, unique, and diverse films of this highly underrated year. This week, we watched Deathstalker 4, Match of Titans. Deathstalker 4, Match of Titans, Deathstalker, played by Rick Hill, is searching for a friend that has his magical sword. While hunting, he encounters raiders who are scouring the villages for the best fighters so they can take part in a tournament held by Queen Kana, played by Michelle Moffat. Is there truly a prize for winning this competition, or does Kana have something more devious in mind? Screenplay by Howard R. Cohen, directed by Howard R. Cohen, and released in Japan on July 13th, 1991. I know you have never seen this movie before. No, I have not. We watched the first Deathstalker together a long time ago. <laughs> and I don't, I don't even remember <laughs> watching it. Uh, it was an interesting movie. You've seen parts of it again now that you watched mm-hmm. this. Um, without fully realizing it. I don't know if you even realized that there were four Deathstalkers overall but this is the last one as far as i know no i don't know anything about these movies at all so most of the time but... we try to watch all of the the pre quills yeah it's not really a prequel the ones that came before if we know about them and if we can um i burdened that i, <laughs> I shouldered that not. burden <laughs> on on behalf of you <laughs> I just, I chose not to. Yeah, I, I chose to, to do that while you were away. And, you know, one of those segments where we were having to record in separate locations, I took it upon myself to watch the other three. Uh, well, the other two. If we watched the first and the fourth together. Yeah, but I rewatched the first one. Oh, Because okay. it had been several years. And okay. I was assuming that maybe there'd be some sort of continuity. Honestly, there's not at all. The, um... Here's what I'll say. Deathstalker 2 has a different Deathstalker, but it reuses a lot of footage from Deathstalker 1, and it is the best of the four. Okay. Uh, that one was done by Jim Warnowski, who did 976 Evil 2 in oh. 1991. And it's much more tongue-in-cheek and, and like goofy fun. 3 is just outright terrible and boring and slow and the person they got for Deathstalker is just like a normal dude. He's not like a beefcake or anything like that. He's, you know, he doesn't look all powerful or interestingly, you know, strong or anything. He's just a guy. Um, But a lot of the plot points are similar in 3 to 4, but they none of them have any actual connection, even though this one tries to be, I think, more of a direct sequel to the first one. Because they do mention the events of the first one, and it is the same actor as the first one. This is the first time a Deathstalker has returned to be, well, and only. Uh, first and only time the actor has returned to play Deathstalker a second time. Okay. So Rick Hill was Deathstalker in 1983's Deathstalker 1, and now he comes back for part 4, and the narration at the very beginning seems to indicate that it is a direct sequel to the first one because they show the tournament and they show him holding up the magic sword like He-Man um, and all that kind of good stuff. And yeah, that's about where... that's Now you're up to speed. <laughs> do, do you know why... Why which part? Why he Rick Kill came back? Like no, um, I don't. Do you know why it was released in Japan? Uh, I think it was just directed video, but it hit Japan first. So okay. we're going with IMDb release dates, and that was the first one listed. And I'm just curious. So I think it just hit directed video there first. Okay, because it's a lot of people from like belarus and you know like eastern european countries yeah this was a shot in bulgaria, in bulgaria I believe, yeah. and 
the vast majority of the cast are Bulgarian actors. So we're not going to be covering most of them or any of them, honestly, because they don't have other English credits. Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was just a very low budget thing. I think they just happened to get the the video first. Okay, because that's, that's why I was like wondering why wasn't it just released in Europe first? I don't know. If it was shot there, but who knows? <laughs> maybe they don't want. They don't want to have anything to do with it. I don't they, know. Maybe, and then like Japan is probably like we like campy, kitschy things. Yeah, they so, like the, the sword and sandal genre maybe as as well, and so it was an easier easier sell to put it on the the shelves. I mean, and then it's. And plus, I mean, you don't have to worry about like the the dubbing mistakes. So like, you could just throw whatever the hell out there right. and just and put then, subtitles. Yeah, on Yeah, they can head. put the subtitle Japanese subtitles of yeah for that but yeah I mean this is kind of just reminding me of just watching like uh do or die I guess yeah but like <laughs> clearly worse quality right right like I, I would rather watch do or die and all the Sedaris stuff over this again because even though those lethal movies don't Mm -hmm. they don't they're all like separate they're all separate movies because they don't go into each other chronologically but they all have like at least the same characters same actors and actors doing playing different people with the same names yeah (laughs) things like that going on there it's it's similar in nature for sure because yeah it's you know, these are technically numbered sequels, but again, Deathstalker 4 has virtually nothing to do with the others. Yeah, so it's just like watching a really old RPG come to life. <laughs> or it's like, uh, I don't know, it, it's more like an episode of like Hercules and Xena, right? Where, yeah, you know, it's very Xena-like. Except probably worse production values than those TV shows had too. In that, you know, it's it's sort of episodic, but not really. It's really standalone, and, you know, the sound effects are lacking. The music is lacking. Sometimes they forget to add sound effects or music into the things that they're... Into the fight or scenes. It's the, the fight... It's similar fighting or camera work with the fighting in Cybernator, where it's, like, focusing on one person... Like, I'm thinking of that scene in Cybernator where that one guy is, like, behind the wall of the other guy. Mm-hmm. And they're, like, totally off-kilter. Yeah, like, you don't know that... Like, neither of them knew where to look because they are filmed separately. Yeah. Yeah. That's... There was a lot of that in here. <laughs> yeah. Where, it, like, when... The part where Deathstalker and... He and Dianara, uh, they're trapped in this little cave thing. And you know, when, and all this, this is like right after all this fighting happens. Cause basically he just like arrives at a town or whatever. Yeah. And there's fighting. <laughs> there's like no story really. He just like arrives and it's kind of like told in some storybook way from the from Dianara's perspective yeah she's giving some narration but it's pretty light and yeah. it does, you know there's very little dialogue for a good chunk of the movie it's mostly just going from scene this, to scene this wooded fighting. town to this other wooded town where they've set up random shacks and then they just have fights with people in lion masks yeah, or whatever, the, the or, beast, these beast men. Yeah. And um, they're, like, basically, like, raping and pillaging towns. Yeah, and at one point you hear this little bit of dialogue saying that they're... that Kana's soldiers are assaulting the villages and capturing the strongest people for this tournament. Mm-hmm. And Dianara wants to be part of it because her sister gets killed as part of one of these yeah, raids at some point. Yeah, it's like point. a revenge situation but also there's some sort of prize like the winner gets the castle i think is what was said like at one point really late in the movie and so that was also partly why dinara wanted it because it's it was her because it was her castle her castle originally but you know that's not really clear 
With, yeah, we don't know that until she here. explains it. Like, honestly, like, we have 20 more, like, the last 20 minutes of the movie. Yeah, for a long time, you don't even, like, you hear that there might be a prize for winning this tournament, but you have no idea what it might be. Like, why are these people... Yeah, like, whatever. money, gold, whatever. Yeah, there's no way of knowing fully. But, so the part where Deathstalker and Dianara are in this cave... And then all of a sudden, like, a random beast man, because they're done fighting, and they're kind of, like, fatigued, mm-hmm. and, you know, they're, they're like, resting, and then, obviously, they have to show, like, Dianara getting dressed, like, undressing, and then redressing in another outfit. Yeah. And then, all of a sudden, this, like, random beast guy in a corner wakes up from whatever, and then runs out, but then all this rubble from this cave traps them in there and the perspective of Deathstalker and that beast man was just funny because the camera angles were like off yeah there's this thing in, in, <laughs> in filmmaking called the 180 degree rule where if you if you establish a scene you need to be on one side of it. So you hear, you've heard of like the fourth wall. You don't want to break the fourth wall by placing the character on the other side of the camera's perspective. So the 180 degree rule means that everything has to be on one hemisphere uh, that the camera is facing. And that gets broken a million times in this sequence where the wolf guy is on the left and then he's on the right. Deathstalker's on the left and he's on the right. And like nothing makes sense perspective wise. Like they're both on both sides of the rock rubble. Mm-hmm. which it was funny and confusing yeah but then they don't even show them like Deathstalker and Dianara escaping that they're just kind of like oh well we're stuck here but then the next scene they're out yeah then they're just gone yeah then they're just whatever and then they're in another village where yeah they're in another village some they other just go drunk to village dude to gets village. them into a, a, a shitty fight with the, this bear creature guy now yeah so I don't know what's going on with this movie most of the time. <laughs> and then it's it turns into these tournaments, but the tournaments also didn't make sense to me because I thought it was to the death. Right. That's that's another very confusing thing about this is the vast majority of this is the tournaments so i mean yeah. from that perspective like i guess it's we good get to get the there. town where the castle is um yeah it turns but, into these tournaments you have like a couple inter you know introductory scenes where we learn about dianara i really don't know when her name it gets said ever um i only know she's called dianara because of the credits yeah on imdb kana they say a couple times vanya yeah the uh is introduced as sort of like a new frenemy type of a guy who has disdain for Deathstalker for whatever reason and he's like this straight edge dude who you know doesn't partake in women or booze because that will affect his training and he has this training partner whose name I do not know at all (laughs) um or you know not training partner but you know like a sidekick guy yeah his you know right hand man person exactly his (laughs) his actual trainer um older guy so we have Vanya there who's introduced and has like a, a chip on his shoulder with Deathstalker for whatever reason. And that's about it. And then you go to the village and you meet this other guy. I don't remember his name either. The drunk guy? It. Yeah, the guy who's like always drunk and he's like bigger. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, uh, I mean, they're obviously friends because... Yeah, they're pre-existing friends. They... They introduce well not they run into each other and they're like oh like they've been friends before yeah pre existing friendships with and then pre existing like frenemies or something with that Vanya guy yeah it's like they all know each other from whatever from I mean, these Death Doctor has the grapevine or the whatever. reputation because he was able to defeat the evil wizard in the first movie and I don't think they mentioned the the events of the second or the third at all. Um, I mean, I know the name Aldalar more because that's who Deathstalker is looking for because at some point they fought together off screen and their swords got switched in the the heat of the battle. And so he ended up with Aldalar's sword and Aldalar ended up with his and so that's where he's going. 
we learned that Deathstalker's sword is there at the castle, already captured by Kana. So Aldalar is also there. But yeah, the the names of things. Like I eventually learned that the bully girl who is, you know, picking fights with Dianara as if she's like Biff Tannen. Okay, yeah. Uh, that's Janaris. But I don't know who the friendly girl in white clothing was. Yeah, I think it's her... Rakshia? I could be wrong. Right. Yeah, they don't say each other's names. You think, I think there's like three people who have said their names aloud in this movie. Yeah. Um, it doesn't matter because but... most of them don't have large parts. Some of them will die pretty quickly. They're only in a couple scenes. Most of it's about the fighting. Mm-hmm. Which isn't good either in this yeah, movie. Yeah, some of the fighting, I'm just like, okay, but... I, I mean, they're not professional actors. I don't know if they actually had a fight choreographer even on set, but it seemed like most of the time when they were fighting, it was very anemic and they were just told, yeah, pretend to fight each other, but make sure you don't hurt each other so you can see how slowly they're moving their swords and, like, right. you know obviously moving everything up to block with no sort of urgency or impact and you get the sound effects of what actually is on screen it seems like most of the time so you hear like these little dinky clanks of the metal rather Mm -hmm. than anything more meaty or or interesting or substantive so it makes it all pretty pathetic but okay so these tournaments the evil sorceress sorceress queen yeah is having i thought they were to the death because um when we first see these fights it's like she will choose two men or two women to fight and then she'll just sit there and watch them until one of those men or women get killed but then there's like after there's like five fights that happen like in in a montage yeah and then we all see like a random person get killed like one of them was like graphic but we don't really see it it's like this one who gets like basically pounded and yeah to like smithereens that was from the first movie oh really yeah and but when they show the aftermath of that he's just a pool of blood. Yeah, it's just a puddle of blood with like, there's some like, guts on the guy's mallet. Yeah, and there's no skeleton or anything. Right. <laughs> it's like you beat him to like nothingness. There's yeah. like not even like chunks of meat. It's just a pool of blood. But I just thought that was funny. Here's here's a little trick. Um, <laughs> so I think I think three is maybe the only one that doesn't reuse footage. Okay. Out of from the first one but it probably does a little bit. Any interesting looking shots are from the first one. So <laughs> are from the from the first movie where they actually tried to do something directing wise with it. Like in the very beginning of the movie there's like this shot of this P, uh, a POV shot of this guy getting dragged around by a horse. Mm. Remember and he's like going through the forest in fast motion and he runs into a tree and all that kind of stuff. That's from the first one and you see goblins which were not in this one because they used wolf and lion and, and bear masks instead. So the goblins are all from the first one too. Um, the big bar scene where you have guys swinging on chandeliers and doing things and you have the pig guy who was ripping off the arm and smacking them. Uh, that's from the first one. So like anything with like good special effects or interesting camera work like that fight scene where you have the POV of them circling around each other and all that stuff. Th- that was from the first movie's tournament. Okay, but then we see after that montage of all these people getting killed, then you see um, Deathstalker. He goes into a tournament, but he loses. He, and then, you know, I don't remember he loses. Or, his well, friend loses. His friend loses, and then I thought Deathstalker... And he, and he still was, lives. Yeah, and he still lives. And then I was like, wait a second, how come the losers are now living... But I guess it's just like it's winner's choice. Yeah, it depends on I don't remember the fight. Because <laughs> I don't remember Dustwalker losing. I remember him having to fight Vanyat, and he beat Vanyat and chose. Oh, to, like, okay, it live. was yeah, yeah, okay, it was Vanyat. Because I remember the queen was like, okay, Dustwalker 
Vanya, you guys fight. Right. And she thought this was going to be a good fight because they were like two of the, quote, strongest men there. Yeah, they have the most muscles. Yeah. But, okay, yeah, so Deathstalker beat Vanya, but she, yeah, Deathstalker shows him mercy. And I thought, wait a second, I thought this was to the death. But then this turns into, like, I guess after all that, it turns into this whole thing where all these fighters are, like, staying. How does, okay, Deathstalker is now in a, are they staying in the castle, like, in a room per the queen's request yeah all of them are staying at the castle okay because so this is part of the devious plot that doesn't fully make sense with this whole thing because it seems like the entire tournament was kind of a ploy just to get deathstalker yeah so that she could use his sword because she couldn't figure out how to make the magic in his sword work and so she has this massive massive tournament and so then the other thing was she was going to turn all of the losers and some of the winners into stone soldiers yeah i thought they were zombies yeah i mean because it's shitty white okay i thought she was yeah it was only from the dialogue that i learned killing they were stone people yeah it not. wasn't it, it was, <laughs> yeah it wasn't really until the very end not when the she, visuals yeah. yeah when she herself took this fucking like i don't know it's she's poisoning the the men but primarily the men through... but she's poisoning everybody because yeah. the girl in white also like gets turned yeah. into a soldier but mostly she's like inviting like at after all these tournaments are done like at night it's all this debauchery drinking and you know whatever partying at night yeah. and she'll invite like a random man up to her room and she basically like gets him drunk but with this this fucking poison she puts in the drinks and turns them into stone yeah. <laughs> i guess yeah but um so then deathstalker comes up with this idea with vanya to be like telling vanya to like seduce the queen to like get information yeah, the idea is that Vanya will not turn because he, because he does not drink, drink at all. Yeah. It doesn't, you know, he, he wants to be pure for his training, and so he avoids women, he avoids alcohol and all this other stuff. And so he's the perfect one because he could just, you know, pretend to seduce Kana to, to learn of the plans, but also won't be turned to stone because he's not actually going to drink. And so he comes up with, like, the simplest diversions of oh hey look over there and then he spits out the wine that he's yeah given. he's you see him always like pouring it somewhere else or whatever in very obvious ways but you know it adds to the the humor that the movie's trying to add because it does try to have like some shitty little jokes yeah, I guess. but they are very <laughs> shitty very little jokes and but I mean, it gets into where she's like trying to. She basically just like takes her top top off in front of him. She's like seducing him, and he's just you know not reciprocating like all the other dudes have. Yeah, because she doesn't actually want to have sex with him. No, she just, just is assuming that that's going to like help trigger the. Yeah, I, I really don't know how the poison works, but there's something about just her being on really top dr- of them that like is part of it possibly, or just maybe it's. I think her she just—it's like a yeah. I think she just like yeah makes them drink until they pass out drunk. Yeah, and then like she and just then they wake up in this that way. I have no clue, honestly. Yeah, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but she's she's confused that Vanyad is still not falling yeah. victim to this whole thing. Um, meanwhile, he's able to steal some antidote, which is, like, right there by the bed. Yeah, he gets, yeah, the antidote, not the poison. Yeah. And, um, that's when, you know, he, I mean, he, Deathstalker, and Dianara, that's when they try to overthrow her, and then that's, I mean, this is getting close to the end, because that's when Dianara tells her whole thing, how she's this lost princess of the realm, and this castle used to be her castle and then now she knows all these like secret 
uh, hideaway, like these tunnels and hideaways and how to get to wherever to where the sorceress queen is. Yeah, and they're trying to sneak around a little bit and it works somewhat, but they also have this magic mirror security camera system within the the castle that Kana and the the older wizard guy are able to, to use. Yeah, I didn't know she was like, you know, a sorceress until later. I don't know if she is specifically, but she's but, using like that older guy's magic for her benefit. But like at the very, very end, she's like throwing fire. Okay. And stuff like that. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Not much is explained in this thing. Yeah. So, yeah. It's like this uh, movie is like Robin Hood. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's wooded bullshit from the Middle Ages, right? Right. Uh, <laughs> but then, because, you know, Dianara is the princess, as if Robin Hood was like the prince, quote, of like whatever that town that <laughs> the sheriff took over. Yeah, except Deathstalker is still the main right fighter. Dianara does have some fight scenes. She is sort of taught to fight by Deathstalker here and there. Um, she has that she's able to first fight with that uh, Generis, but that was like the very first fight she had with Generis, where they were fighting on this. Um, it was like an elevated like a log or log. whatever. Yeah, I was like, but underneath is this mud pit, so it's not like a fight to the death. It was like fight to whoever fell into the mud. It was like Deathstalker and this bear guy fighting on the log, and then like Generis is just like bullying her on the sidelines. Yeah, and so she got thrown into, into the G- mud pit. Dianara threw Generis into the mud. And it seemed like that was going to be like a running joke for a while because it happened a couple times where Generis got thrown into water or, you know, something liquid. Mm-hmm. And she did that would, like, piss her off. Then yeah. she she has, like, her brigade of other women. And they're, they're I mean, I guess they're just, like, uh, they're taking over. They're kind of like this bully group of women because then they kind of take who was the young girl that they just took as their own? I don't know. Oh, okay. Cause... I don't know. Like, someone's... It was, like, someone's helper or someone's, like, maiden or something like that. Okay, because I thought she... She I... fought someone and, be like, this one's mine now. Okay, because they just took it... I thought she was in relation to, like... Like, Dianara knew her or something. Cause I don't they... think so. Like, they took this young girl in to get back at someone, but it was just, like you you are mine now and there's like this scene where they have like this orgy or something i mean there's there's a few scenes where yeah it's like orgy-esque this movie tries to not go without nudity for like 10 minutes if it can right um it just kind of like throws it around honestly there's a couple scenes where just a topless woman just happens to walk past Right, even, <laughs> just because. even when they show the village, in the background you see people, like, making out, and then it's, like, a guy, like, feeling up on, like, a naked woman in yeah. the back. Yeah. So it's just, like, you can see how this is just, like, some hedonistic whatever group of people or whatever. And then when they show, that's something like... something that does carry over across all of them. Yeah. Especially it, two. I mean, two, that, that's, again, Jim Warnowski, right? So, like, it's it leans heavily into like the humor and then like the boobs and like stuff right. that you expect from a directed video like movie for men type of a thing yeah exactly that's that's why i was thinking of the lethal movies yeah but those are more like the lethal movies weren't it was just like here's a gratuitous scene of a woman getting ready to like kill someone yeah it's that like, was like more the me... focus of the scene this is just like here's some background imagery yeah here's background <laughs> boobage yeah and it's not yeah it, i don't know how to explain it i guess like with the sedaris ones it was like more focused like here's this hot lady gr- getting dressed let's like slow it down and show her get dressed well it's almost like a palate cleanser in a way in between action scenes you know, it's, it's like, like here's this fight scene, chase scene. Now here's, here's naked boobs, lady. Fight scene, chase scene. Naked boobs. lady, and then whatever. Yeah, it's like chapter breaks. <laughs> but this is just like you can see nakedness in the background almost in like mm-hmm. every scene. 
But yeah, you see the Generis, like they're kind of Generis is just this bully fucking bitch who's just like you you know she's gonna be like the last fight for Dianara because they have this instant like hate for each other and you know Generis is kind of like out for Dianara but she's just uh like also killing other women to get to her and then when they finally have like their fight or whatever it was just a whatever fight yeah it's it wasn't like a major they kept on building it up to be like oh we're gonna have a major fight between Dianara and Generis yeah, it wasn't anything special. And and again, part of it is because there's just a lot of sloppy choreography of the fights where and also bad editing of the fights too, where a lot of the cuts in the film happen after the sword strike has occurred and you're like missing frames. So, you know, you see the beginning of the swing and then like it cuts to the swing has already landed and so you don't get the impact. Yeah, you, you don't, don't see it, you don't get the like visual good style. fighting, I guess. And so that's a big part of it, honestly. Is... Even when they finally get to the end, where Deathstalker and Dianara, um, they confront the evil queen. Or even when Deathstalker is like fighting the Stone Army, that's like the biggest scene in the movie, fight-wise, potentially. And they just drop the audio out of it. Like they forgot the sound effects, they forgot the music. There's this one part where, if you know that they're stone, which you're supposed to at that point. He takes one of the stone men and busts the door down with the, the guy, <laughs> and it's silent. It's there's no audio to it at all. Like just the door happens to open, even though you see them like running at at speed. With it's just mind boggling that you drop the audio in that in that scene. But it's and then I I mean once you get to the end where he finally gets to the evil queen she's then you get to this weird part where she's throwing that fire and then all of a sudden the entire village is on fire but like the fire is so i don't know how to explain it like the graphic for the fire was like an overlay or something Mm. and so you see like it looked like like a crackling fire from someone's like a log type whatever campfire type fire yeah being used and then it's like over death stalker like as if the flames are i don't even know how to explain it <laughs> yeah they did have that effect at the end it's of like the a first weird <laughs> fire of de- like campfire fire effect like over his face so you see like crinkling fire over his face as if like he's supposed to be on fire but it's not phasing him so he's just like i don't know that's where he probably wasn't told to react to that yeah it was like pretend you're on fire but he's just looking left and right or something and then all of a sudden they show that crackling fire from like a campfire and other parts of the castle and you don't see people reacting to it either they're just like going about their lives and fire i don't it just made me laugh i was like this is really hilarious because it's like the people aren't acting like they're being set on fire it's it's very telling when the movie from 1983 (laughs) has better special effects than this movie from 1991 uh and it's just because they didn't want to spend the money on that they did uh, to this movie's credit they spent, well, I don't know if they spent money, but they did get a lot, a lot of extras in these scenes. Yeah. This is jam-packed with people on the sidelines who are, like, part of the tournaments. Like, this is a very full movie with people in costumes and and there in the crowd and participating in that way. But, special effects-wise, the only really magical type of stuff you see is reused from the first one at the very beginning... You have the magic mirror, which is just, you know, like a superimposition of another shot inside this this stone Mm. tablet thing. And then at the very end, you do have the magic sword coming back where you have, you know, the little light that gets superimposed on the sword. Yeah, when it gets lit up. But that's about it. And then he uses it on her. Yeah, and it's like a very, very brief sequence where, you know, the magic sword saves the day somehow and now she's turned to stone somehow i don't really fully i thought remember, they to be honest like with you. she 
Okay, yeah, I thought she, like, accidentally just, like, poisoned herself, and she instantly turned into, like, a living stone thing, like, what she wanted her people to be. Yeah, like, her, whatever like she... she instantly turned into that. Yeah, whatever happened to her happened a lot faster to her than it did to anyone else in the movie. Right. Just for convenience sake. And for whatever reason, it's sort of like reverse zombie rules, where the person who initiated the spell is now stone so everyone who was stone turned is to now not yeah they're now normal <laughs> they're, but then th- everyone's like yay we all win <laughs> death stalker won won the day he got his sword back and dianara gets her castle back because i guess everybody just is okay with they're that they're like okay okay yeah you're the missing like whatever there's, there's what no happens? indication that kana even knew that dianara was the rightful owner of the castle before this it's just like everyone went about their day after that yeah and then um yeah and then i was the end. that's it there's like no yeah there's no aftermath like yeah we did it we got to clean up this bullshit and start anew or whatever like, do Deathstalker and Dianara, do they actually stay? Are they together? Like, were they really... <sighs> That's tough to say, too, because, again, like, Deathstalker has a different love interest in every single movie. Yeah, I feel like, is he just going to move... Like, is he going to move on? Like, okay, I did what I needed to do here, so I'm just... He's like and a nomad. And also, like, in every movie, it's a princess that he's with. There's, like, yeah. different princesses. Like, in the third one, the same type of situation happens where he comes across two women in the forest... One of them dies, one of them lives. The difference in three is that they were twin sisters, but they were both princesses. He didn't learn that until after the fact. This same type of thing. Mm -hmm. Two sisters, not twins, found them in the forest. One dies, one does not. Turns out they are a princess. And so he kind of makes like a joke about that too. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, this always happens to me type of a thing. (sighs) Odds are they're, they're not staying together just because of the history of the thing and, you know. Okay, yeah, he just moves on. Like, my work is done here. You have your castle, and... He's an adventurer. Yeah. You know? He's not a king. He's an adventurer. Yeah, so they're not gonna, like, live happily together in this castle. Right. Which is fine. I mean, mean, they had, like, scenes where they were, like, sort of in bed, but I don't think they ever actually consummated anything in the first place. They started to, and then they got interrupted by Kana's men. Yeah, that, quote, love scene was really weird, because it was, like, it looked as if they were, like, just overlapping arms. It was, like, arm over arm. Very awkward touching, and also very tense music during the lovemaking scenes in this movie, too. Like, I don't even know how to describe the recreation of them trying to, like, make out yeah so it was just awkward and weird and same thing with like Con- when kana especially came over and like was on top of death stalker he was like almost touching her and she would like kind of like bat his arm away slowly and he would like reach his arm but back she up was and, coming on to him and it... then she was like sort of touching him maybe but not really it's yeah very awkward but then yeah she was coming on to him and he's like do i reciprocate and then she's like no don't tell me what to do and runs off yeah I was like, what the fuck is going on right now? There's so many unmotivated scenes of dialogue in this. Uh, but yeah, that's it. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's the movie. It's it's shitty. It is shitty. Here's my ranking, since I know you can't do it. Um, Deathstalker 2 is the best. Okay. Then 1. Then 4. Then 3. Oh, wow. So 3 was worse than this? 3 was worse than this. 3 was extremely boring. It did not try to be funny, like, basically at all. That's, okay, so, and like, how it was Star like just Trek... a normal-ass dude as the star of it. So there's, like, you know... From Star Trek 5 to 6? Kind of. I mean, but, 4 I mean, is this not is... good. Like, this this movie is not good. No, this is good. not good. It's, like, it's... 2, 1, and then, like, a pretty big jump down to 4 and 3. Yeah, go with the first couple. And honestly, you could really I just stick with two don't. because they they still reuse a big portion oh, okay. of one's footage, um, but they make they kind of make a joke out of it. Yeah, I don't even remember the first one. Yeah. But if they use all of the footage from the first one, then I guess I. <laughs> I mean, they I reused a couple it. scenes in this one, yeah, for sure. In terms of cast and crew, because there's no box office to report, there's no awards to report. Casting crew is pretty low as well in terms of who we can talk about, because again, this was using primary Bulgarian actors, and then they were dubbed over. We don't have information about who those voice actors were. 
they're just studio hires, pay for play, day worker, voiceover artists probably who are just dubbing over these Bulgarians who are trying to say their lines in English mm-hmm. to make their their mouths match, but uh, it was very bad dubbing, <laughs> bad dubbing, on top of everything else. Um, Howard Arcone is the director and writer. He has done a few different things, like Saturday the 14th and Saturday the 14th Strikes Back, Space Raiders, Time Trackers, Space Case. He's also the writer for Barbarian Queen 2, and also he wrote Deathstalker 1 and 3. So, that's weird. They didn't really... It didn't seem like he tried to loop in the (laughs) events of 3 into this one. Um, He also did Young Nurses, The Unholy Rollers, Vampire Hookers, as well as cartoon shows like Beverly Hills Teens, Rainbow Bright, and Care Bears. So wide, diverse career from Howard R. Cohen. Uh, Beverly Gray is listed as the story editor. She did 1991's Immortal Sins, as well as things like Beyond the Call of Duty, Full Contact, and Fire on the Amazon. Deathstalker was played by Rick Hill, who again was Deathstalker in the first one, but not the third. Uh, or second, Warrior Queen, The Devastator, Fast Gun, Days of Our Lives. In 1991, he's also in Dune Warriors and Eye of the Widow. And aside from acting, he is also a number one best-selling author because he co-wrote Pete Rose, My Prison Without Bars. That was weird. I had to double-check, make sure it wasn't a different Rick Hill, but it is apparently the same person. Maria Ford played Dianara. She's in 1991's Future Kick, Ring of Fire and Body Chemistry 2, The Voice of a Stranger. Uh, she's also in Stripped to Kill 2, Slumber Party Massacre 2, Naked Obsession, Mind Twister, Hot Ticket, and Casper Meets Wendy. <laughs> like the children's okay. show. Um, as like a stripper or something like that. Like as, like apparently like in that children's show they meet some sort of like a exotic dancer or something like that. Is, okay. And she's there as that. Michelle Moffat as Kana was in Hired to Kill, Warlock, The Armageddon, Wild Cactus, and Sins of the Night. And then Brett Baxter-Clark was Vaniat. He's in 1991's Project Eliminator and Inner Sanctum. He's also been in Bachelor Party, Malibu Express, Teen Witch, Hard Hunted, Midnight Tease 2, Shoot Fighter 2. So he's in some of those Sedaris movies. He just was not in Do or Die. So that's basically all the cast and crew that we can mention here. So we can quickly move on to true crime and pop culture. So this movie was released on July 13th, 1991, which was a Saturday. It was the day after the release of Boys in the Hood and Point Break. Okay. But we do have a TV guide, and in the TV guide I did see, um, I'm going to go with this first, on CBS, there was like a half hour making of Naked Gun two and a half, which we watched, and it's on YouTube, but it's in three parts. And, and it's also showing as a as a Cinemax special, so which, I guess it's re-aired on there. I think we've done this before, where they re-aired something from a cable network onto, uh, like a regular network. So, like, Cinemax either licensed it to CBS to air, yeah. or or it got picked up and re-aired on Cinemax, and they, they repackaged put, it as their own, too. Maybe. One of the two happened, probably. But, yeah, it, so, you know, Naked Gun, that was released on June 28th. I mean, we saw something like this with Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. We watched the making of that, which they aired on regular TV, too. So this was, like, a thing. Yeah, <laughs> we definitely taped some of those when we were kids. Cause yeah, because this really is something you would see. They probably would. if I don't. We don't have the Naked Gun 2.5 DVD, do we? No. So this is something that probably would have been, like, a special features on it. But it was more of, like, a short documentary about the Zucker, David and Jerry Zucker. Yeah. It was more about them growing up and their, like, there's like a short thing about them as a family because they talk to their mom a lot because she's in their movies. 
Yeah, she's in the limo on the way to film her scene for Naked Gun two and a half. Two and a half, yes. And they're talk. She's talking about their family life as well as the the two brothers about them growing up in Milwaukee and they're doing uh, comedy since they were like kids, and they talk about the beginning, like Kentucky Fried Movie. They talk about airplane a lot. <laughs> yeah. And then they talk about the the vice squad or the police squad all the way up until the Naked Gun movies. And then they only show like certain parts of like behind the scenes filming of Naked Gun 2 and a half because they show a lot of the first movie too. And they talk to just some cast members. It's not like everyone. Yeah, they talked to a couple of them. They talked to just other obviously Leslie Nielsen too. and Priscilla Presley, just about like how they, their comedy, how they had to like reshoot certain scenes like fifty times over and over and over and over, even the one with their mom where it's the scene where the imposter guy is like his wheelchair gets thrown out the window and, and they do that the, et scene over and over and over and it's like her she delivers the line while that's happening yeah her re saying this line as um what's his face from harry potter i can't <laughs> even think of his richard name richard griffiths yeah richard griffiths also in king ralph yeah who he's the one that's in the wheelchair like he does his wheelchair, you know, goes out of the window over the moon and they do this E.T. over the moon scene and it's over and over and over to the point where the mom is like, I'm sick and tired of saying this sentence over and over again. I'm never going to say this again. Yeah. But that's kind of like the end of that. Yeah, there's very little about what the movie entails. And maybe it's because they don't want to Right, because that's ruined jokes and yeah, whatnot. they don't because this the movie has been released like a couple weeks. They don't want to like give away all the scenes. I get it. Yeah, so it's mostly a history of them, which is fine. Yeah, I mean it was interesting. Yeah, and, and to see like some of the old footage of them doing their Kentucky Fried Theater, and then like those jokes re- getting repurposed in other later works was interesting. Right, and then later on. I noticed this is a a local thing is an American television lottery game show that was aired called Who's Your Millionaire? It was only on TV stations in Indiana, Illinois, and Kentucky, and it went from October 1989 all the way to November 2005. And it was the highest rated lottery game show in the United States. Well, how many? If there's only three lottery game <laughs> shows in the United States. And one of the highest States. rated TV programs in Indiana. So this was like a... I mean, the episode we watched was, you know, aired later this night in Indianapolis. And, you know, they get six contestants that are... They're randomly picked. Get picked at the end of the episode. They get picked at the the end of the episode. Okay, yeah. Because they're like, the next six are these people. And then they do a big wheel of envelopes of names. Was your family, did they do scratch-off tickets all that often? Do you remember this this contest at all? No. Because we would do it for like birthdays and holidays. You know, do scratch-offs as like part of our presents or whatever. And so... Um, I remember this ticket, which was, you know, specifically mentioned in the TV show, in order to be part of that drawing, you had to scratch off, like, three TV symbols. Yeah. And then you could send it in and be part of the drawing. It didn't guarantee you to be on the show. Right. But you'd be, like, put into the hopper to be, to be potentially chosen. So, I definitely remember that aspect of it. Yeah, because... And watching they, the Illinois version, i never seen the, the Indiana version, but I did which see... Which is, yeah, the one we... But even though one of the people they picked was from Chicago... Yeah, so I guess they maybe they commuted and they. It's right. good that that didn't ruin their eligibility. I guess there yeah. probably were people from Indiana who won the Illinois one too. Yeah, I mean it's kind of like the tri-state, but it's weird they didn't include 
like Wisconsin or something like that. Yeah, Wisconsin whatever. Lottery wasn't a thing uh, participating with it, I guess. Yeah, but uh, so yeah, they have six contestants and they just sit in front of a board. It's 30 numbers and they play three rounds and they just basically pick random numbers and whatever. It's kind of like a very low, <laughs> low budget version of like Wheel of Fortune where a woman just taps over the, the fucking right. number they pick. And it's like, it can range from like, a th- I think the lowest is a thousand dollars. Yeah. And then the highest you can get like whatever you can either 10,000. And then there's also a couple of prizes. There's like trips and because this one guy won a trip and he also got like a year's worth of the scratchers yeah which is fascinating how much that was yeah but it was like a thousand scratchers yeah, yeah it was like i don't know it was like 10 or 100 a month or something yeah Some, a, a whatever equivalent to like a thousand was or something so and that's a lot of free over money. the year yeah so that was interesting to see but yeah, so they just go through three rounds and whoever has like the highest amount goes to the next round, which is where they can win this million dollars. Some of the, pre- I forgot this guy's name, the presenter. I don't know his name either. Cause I, all they, I, know I don't even like, say their names. Maybe they did, but I didn't. They definitely did. The Illinois one was the MTV VJ Mark Goodman. That's funny. And that's how I knew him for a long time. I didn't know he was on MTV before that. So when, you know, the MTV reunion started happening, like, oh, it's the guy from the lottery show. That's so funny. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but this yeah. was some, some a- actor probably or presenter that I just don't know. Right. Because they had original. one, they had about like five different presenters from like the 80s all the way until 2005. And, um, and the Vanna White person just looked like Kim Cattrall to me. She kind of, I thought she was just like the local TV news station woman. Could be. Yeah, so whoever gets, like, the highest amount of cash moves on. And, like, the guy, the presenter guy tries to joke with these people. And these are just, like, regular people. Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) with, like, no media coaching, of course. Yeah, and there's one guy who's, like, twisting around in his chair because he's probably nervous. And the guy's like, if you keep doing that, I'm going to get dizzy. That type of shit. Like, I know we told you to not shake your share before the show started. <laughs> like, he's calling them out, like... <laughs> and and then the audience is their family members, and every yeah. time they cut to the audience, it's like... The... Oh. It's like the most... Um, I don't even... It's like the most 90s time capsule picture. But not even... It's, it looks rural like... rural Indiana, you can imagine. Yeah, like, just... Every time they show them, they all look bored to fucking death. <laughs> And it's like a freeze frame of like Family Feud before they come down to you know what I mean? Yeah. Remember when they used to do that Family Feuds? Like, oh, it's the Johnson family, and they're all like posed. But this is the opposite. They're all like staring off in the space. Yeah, but like, it's like they're frozen in time, like a yeah. Rockwell painting. Yeah, but <laughs> it's just funny. And then the other joke that was so dumb was that most of the contestants. Their their names were Larry, Mary, Gary, Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> Four, and then yeah. and then there was like Helen, and then Ricky. This older lady, Helen. Yeah, and then the, and then the, he talks to this old woman like you should change your name to something airy. And she's like pass. She's like nah. <laughs> can I just win money, please? I don't know. Like can I just pick my number? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he tried his best, but they were not giving. Yeah, him no one's. To work there, with. there was like no pre-coaching. Like, yeah, let's you know do a test run. Right. But it's just they're all just nervous and like yeah, they want to yeah. get it over with and win their money. But I mean, the guy that wins, I, I'm assuming I forgot it. Randy was it Randy or Ricky? It started with an R. Whatever. Yeah. Randy, he gets the most. He gets like sixteen thousand. In the first round, everyone's got like five, six thousand. But at least they all get to keep their wins. Yeah, that's the good thing. It's not if you're like you're not the top. You still get whatever money you've pulled off the board, which is cool. so that's cool. I mean, it's not like oh, you five, you know, fuck off. Yeah. You all get whatever you got in this round, which could range from like a thousand to whatever ten thousand, whatever. 
Or you win a trip, because this one guy won a trip to Hawaii and those scratchers. I yeah. feel like that guy got yeah, He off. got the most money as, you know, pre-bonus round when all was said and done. Yeah. So, and then it goes to the second round, where it's just four blocks. It's one, two, three, four. And then the only thing is, like, you can go or stop... Yeah, because three of them have prizes. One of them is the million. One of them is a hundred thousand. One of them is two or two hundred fifty. It's and like then the fourth yeah. one is a auto lose. Yeah, it's no dollar sign. Which yeah, the stopper. So he picks the first number one, the first block, and it's a hundred thousand. And you know, everyone's like, his family's like, yeah. And then it's either you stop and keep the 100000 or you press go and you pick another one. Right. And he decides to go for it, and he picks number four, and he gets the million. And then, you know, the entire family gets he doesn't. Up. He doesn't just decide to go for it. He takes his hat off yeah. and puts it on the stop button to prevent him from... Yeah, you know, I don't want to like see I'm the not, stop. I'm not touching the stop button. I forget. And then the guy, the presenter, says, oh, I just realized what your hat said, but I still don't we, know. Yeah, the video quality was too low for us. Like, we tried so to if pause. anybody else wants to watch that yeah. specific episode, I mean, episode, we, we're going to have this stuff on our website. It's a YouTube... There's a YouTube of this. Yeah, it's, the YouTube channel has a ton of episodes. Right. Uh, I think this just happened to be a really good one for us to yeah, it was stumble on. <laughs> and so, just a, a little history, I guess. There was like three different versions of this bonus round. And the first one was what we were talking about before. The winning contestant gets that board with four numbers. But behind each number had... Um, at this time, it was 50,000, 100,000, the stopper, and then a million. Hmm. The second version, which is what we saw, because the second version went from 1990 until 2000. That's what we saw, where it was, uh, they replaced it to be all six figures. So yeah, it was 150, 200, no money, or a million. And that, and then the third version, which was from 2000 to 2005, the contestant with the highest dollar amount advanced to a bonus round where it was 16 squares. Okay. The player could reveal cash or prizes with value far less than a million. That player would advance to the Who's Your Millionaire Hysteria episode at the end of the season where they could win a million dollar prize to oh, be awarded. Okay. So it's like they made it harder. Yeah. So, I mean, you wanted to be on the second version, yes, I think. Yes, you did. You wanted to win this before 2005. <laughs> yeah. And they then they, I saw that they had a 25th anniversary show that was live at the Indiana State Fair. That okay. was on August 16, 2014. So they tried to do this live, and it could be on YouTube. I'm curious to see that. They did a live version of that, but then... I mean, in 2005, it ended. Hmm. I don't know how long the Illinois one lasted. I didn't watch it all that much, but we did watch it sometimes at home. See, not everything is national yeah, TGIF were... shows in 1991. There's right. like fun local stuff, too. But the, the, the other thing on the YouTube channel or of this episode there were no commercials like no yeah. lo- which i would love to see some indiana local commercials or they had commercial breaks but, but they were all they were you know. cut out of the youtube video so we'll move on to rankings and ratings where on your one to five star scale are you going to put death stalker four i'm giving this a one that is not a surprise <laughs> i'm not saying anything about it being controversial <laughs> it is not a surprise uh, we knew it was gonna be bad going in but we had a physical copy of it so it's part of our list on my zero to four star scale i am going to give it a half star it held my attention partly because i was trying to figure out who the hell is who <laughs> and what the hell was going on in the limited I mean, it did to me too, but I was like, still like, what the fuck is going on? And then you don't really know what's going on until like the last 20 minutes, and then everything happens, and then it ends. Yeah, three, I was trying to figure out what the hell was going on, and I was bored out of my mind while trying to figure it out. This one, I was at least entertained by how janky it was. 
Um, every movie's worth watching once. Would you watch it again? No, absolutely never. <laughs> I, I can't imagine. Like, if, if maybe, like, some sort of, like, music box theater marathon was showing all four then i guess but like no for me no (laughs) one and two yes three and four very very unlikely unless like somebody comes over and says i really want to watch that stalker four i'm like okay fine and like if they've already seen the other three or two then sure but otherwise no there's no reason stick with the first two stick with the first two if you out there want to watch Death Soccer 4 Match of Titans as of this recording in February 2024, it's available on VHS or DVD only, but as always, check your local listings. As for us, you can listen to us on all of your major podcasting platforms. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. You can email us at 1991 gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, YouTube, just search 1991 Movie Rewind or go to 1991 movierewind.com for the fullest movies, long show notes, and more. 